0: Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. I don't know if we've got much to talk about this week, boys. Um it's been slow news the last couple of weeks, but let's let's just see if we can get into it. I'm James. Um not so classic the lineup today. We've got uh, Jack back again. Uh we got John here and we've got uh, Connor bringing the vibes down.
1: <laughs> I'm absolutely fuming. Last episode when you introduced it as a classic lineup and I wasn't there. <laughs> Taking I did acknowledge player, it
0: instantly. I I knew what I'd done straight away. <laughs> it was acknowledged. Right?
1: Got you back
2: on though, didn't it? So,
0: yeah, true, it did.
1: It did yeah. I made a, I missed one episode, and I'm you know I'm miss missing you boys. So I had to come back. It's,
2: it's going to at least
0: have to be an eight out of ten though, from you today. I'll try.
1: One. Although I must apologise yeah. for the awful mic quality because I've still still got the crappy mic. I'm not back in Belfast yeah, yet. Sat, next episode, on a
0: teenage teenage gamer headset.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Like <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's an interesting one for us today. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about in relation to the stadium, which is nice. It's a shame Tony's not here to celebrate the potential meal deal opportunities, as we've referred to before. Um, but we're kind of last across the line to talk about the stadium. Um, but obviously, it's Tuesday today and there was the meeting with uh, the council. So there's a bit to draw on from that which we can obviously go through as well. Um, And then sadly, the form's taken, kind of the actual football's taken a little bit of a turn for the worse. Uh, So we've got Lincoln and Wickham to talk about. We'll obviously touch on transfers as part of news as well. And then we'll look at um, previewing Sheffield Wednesday at home, which should be a very spicy encounter. Um, Right, news. I think we should start with the most important news and that's, has everyone seen the new uh, swimming shorts that the terrace have got on sale.
3: Yes. (laughs) Silence.
0: Okay. I was going to say something like there's a lot of emphasis on the Wang area, but... The Wang is covered with these. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's good. That went well. Uh, Let's move on to stadium (laughs) (laughs) chat. So... Stratfield break. We probably don't need to regurgitate everything everyone else has obviously talked about, but obviously it's exciting news for all of us. I think WhatsApp exploded and every kind of group I was in that uh, was talking about Oxford United. I personally was obviously getting Photoshop out and as quickly as possible trying to draw and measure things like the current site versus the new potential site and overlaying things and having little battle- battles with people in forums see who could get the measurements the closest, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, Jack, how, oh. are, you, how are you generally... gone, John, sorry. I was, just saying, I was
2: loving all the... What do you think this line means on the plan? What does this <laughs> angle mean? Is that a roof design? I don't think I like that roof design. It was like, it's conceptual to a degree. Let's all chill out. But I was enjoying the, the uh, angle, line. Lots, what, does yeah. it, what does it mean, Jack? There's a lot of good arrows in different directions as well.
0: I was like, is that the wind direction? Is it a footpath? Who knows? Probably not the wind direction. Anyway, Jack, um, generally, how, how are you kind of feeling about the whole thing? I'll go to all of you, just high level.
3: Uh, I think my immediate thoughts were kind of excited, but equally having seen numerous stadium projects around the country take a long time and hit various buffers, I wasn't, I wasn't getting too carried away. Um I think it confirmed, obviously, all the rumours we'd been hearing for probably a year to 18 months. So it's good to see that all this rumour um, was built upon something, but this is only step one of probably 100 steps, so a long way to go, yet. Yeah, and in comparison, John, to the Cassam,
0: what was, the, I think, when we did it, like 45 acres is kind of the proposal, which is across kind of two sites with, obviously, the roads. I think it's the dual carriageway in between, um, but I think the cast sign was like twenty nine or something like that. It was some somewhere around that round, but that remit. But do you think that's you know a positive thing in itself with all the things that will go with the stadium?
2: Yeah, I, I think the days of a football stadium and that's all you get, and it's used three times a month or four times a month with a little bit around the side are, are long gone. The fact that this is this is a hub with a football stadium with a potential ice rink venue for other events community facilities the existing teams all manner of aspects like that means it can tick a number of different boxes the tran the public transport link is obviously strong as well that ticks other boxes positive boxes that we want to tick um and i've been the support from the various different people as well i mean they will get on to like sort of where there's more dissenting voices and what we can all do to help help about that but the fact that there was a pretty good, strong kind of off the blocks support from some of the key people, political, a lot of good political support already, which helps yeah. straight off the bat. So I was kind of pleased to see that with my sort of political nerd hat on. Um, so no, it's it's exciting and it's 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 just got some sort of momentum and timelines around it, um, but
0: a long way to go. That's it. Timelines, Connor. Planning applications submitted by May. 2023 this was from that original letter that was you know leaked um to those kind of the sports clubs that play at stratfield break today and construction of the new stadium to be completed by may 2026 which obviously aligns with um where the lease ends with the Casam. but how are you how are you feeling about the whole thing as someone you've kind of grown up obviously in the Casam era so mm-hmm. interested yeah. to hear your thoughts
1: yeah, I mean I've only ever known the Kassam. I mean I was my first game was um we played Rochdale there and that was uh, I think that was either the first game we played there or the second game we ever played at the Kassam. That was the first time I'd been there, so i never even went to the manor, so I'm definitely am a, a Kasam baby, I guess. <laughs> but um no, I think initially taking out some of the kind of more pragmatic thoughts of the other two, um <laughs> When the, when, the, when it initially got announced, I was extremely excited at the prospect because I think it's, I've never felt like the kassam Saints ever been a home, um, not just for the club, but for the fans as well. I've never felt there's been much of a soul there. So potentially building something from the ground up that it actually belongs to us, something that would be, um, you know, a massive step forward, be a massive clout for the club, but also for the city as well. Um and given the potential location. I mean Shatfield Blake. I mean, I've played football many times at Shatfield Blake over <coughs> over my childhood. Um and I think it's a great it would be a great site um for like John was saying there, but you know, the, the days are gone certainly of of a football stadium being on its own. That you know, that it's gonna be a a massive focus on the community, I think. Um, with whatever eventually... Well, if it does go ahead, anything that actually does get constructed there. Um, but no, I think it's it's only a positive thing for this football club that we're having these types of discussions and these are actually moving forward to the point, obviously, um, for what happened today. Yeah. Um, some of the discussions, it's, it's only a positive thing for everyone involved who care about Oxford United as a football club. I, I can see why there will be opposition from certain people. There's opposition to any large-scale you know, development, whether it's a football stadium or leisure facilities or, you know, housing developments, etc. There's always going to be some people that will kick a fuss up. Um,
0: I, was, I was just talking to Jack, actually, about that before we started recording, because even listening or reading up on the outputs from the councillor kind of forums and the, the meetings with, with the council, it's like, they've obviously got to be as objective as possible. And it's like, if you may or may not be a football fan, and depending on which side of the fence you're on there, it's interesting like yeah. how to not be influenced as an individual, I- which is why they've I guess they've said they need to go to the the kind of public consultation. But I'd love to know, did they say, Jack? Sorry, we're kind of jumping around, like who's in scope for that consultation? Is that at you know, a Kidlington level? Is it the city? Is it the county?
3: Uh, I think it's open to whoever wants to have an input to it. I assume they'll be targeted um targeted approaches to local postcodes, but beyond that I would imagine it's, you know, potentially as simple as something as an open link for people to freely comment on. Um I know OUFC responded quite quickly, which suggested they may have been expecting it to go this way, um, saying that they were planning to do their own kind of in-house community engagement anyway. So I think another month down the line um, there's going to be a shed load of of opinion and thoughts on the table to be to be looked at. Yeah,
1: I think a key a key consideration, um, and I think when you talk about being objective, I mean, of course, if you're a football fan, then obviously that will that will play into your mind. But I think the sustainability of this football club is is got to be paramount. You know, we've seen other clubs in recent years that have unfortunately gone, you know, gone by the wayside a little bit. Um, and I think owning our own stadium is, is clearly something that is you know, pushing this football club into the future. And if we want to have such a, you know, a, a community around our football club for younger children to grow up with and to be involved with, then owning our own stadium is something that is a massive part in that. And I think, it can only really be a good thing from that perspective. I mean, of course, like, I, like we just said, there's going to be opposition to it. And I'm very intrigued to see what people's arguments are. Um, yeah, I imagine a lot of them will probably be based on the disruption that the building will cause. I will imagine a lot of it will be to do with traffic and that sort of thing. Um, and also, I guess, any environmental impacts. But... I'm I'm intrigued to, to kind of keep tabs on it and see how it develops. I think it's going to be a very exciting time. I'm not. Time. I don't,
0: I don't, I'm not bothered.
1: Well, you're just like, nah, <laughs> sod it. Build a stadium. So of it. <laughs> I mean,
0: everyone's going to be intrigued. The thi- the thing with the, like the, um, you're right about to mention the traffic and stuff. So obviously Oxford Parkway, we talked about this before, that's a massive thing and it completely opens up the prospect of the away day being actually go into Oxford, enjoy the sights of the city and then Get on a five ten minute train down to Parkway and walk have a five ten minute walk at the other end. And also, you know, us obviously exiled all over the place. It actually kind of makes the whole thing around going to home games that little bit more well, much more appealing. Um, so you know, there's there's so much in it in that sense.
1: The transport links are absolutely ginormous for the whole for the whole project. I imagine this will it will be a, a massive kind of weight in favour of Oxford. And using this site will be those transport links because that that new railway station will will do absolute wonders for lots of different people. There there,
2: there is um there is a slight other side to the coin on that though, because if you have this site that is a multi use, so it's gonna be for multiple different forms, it's not just for getting football fans to the stadium. It will be for so the site is in use more often. So you're gonna be encouraging more journeys than just football fans to the site. So you're creating this, you've got sustainable ways of getting people there, but then you've got a lot, lots more people going to it more often. So you yeah. sort of, your argument of, well, actually a couple of times a month, a lot of people will go on public transport to this entity is kind of neutered because you're actually saying, yeah, but there's going to be all this other stuff, but that will create journeys and pressure on infrastructure. My frustration with the stuff today is that all these kind of things that, so, some of the councils have put out, you know, fairly broad concerns about all projects that always come up: traffic, infrastructure, sustainability, all that sort of stuff. That stuff comes in more detail later, and I think we just need to be careful about what exactly is being put out there as what this what this stadium exactly will be, because this is where misinformation comes in. Yeah. Um And for us as Oxford fans, for me, it's we've got to think about this as not being Oxford fans to make it happen, because. I mean, I, I had to. of I found myself googling the population of Kidlington, and it's fifteen about fifteen thousand people. Isn't it? Doesn't it hold a record of being like one of the biggest villages in the yeah, world? Or so, something? and something like twelve and a half thousand of those are over eighteen. So you've got twelve and a half thousand people whose lives could be directly impacted on. Our attendances are let's say eight thousand people. So you've just got all these people that are not in the footballing world who are not going to be thinking this is the best thing ever. So it's how you get to those those people and we don't just be an echo chamber saying how great it's going to be and all that sort of stuff
0: absolutely yeah but it's just about the community asset it's about all of the jobs it will create it's about having something that's not a breeze block thing like jack just do you think john just said mentioned that there'll be 80 people there i hope i hope not as in eighteen thousand is the initial kind of proposed development size in terms of capacity do you think that's Like the right type of number to be going for,
3: yeah, I think so because, well, I think a lot of this is with one, well, more than one eye on being a championship club. It's you know the the full throttle championship club, and that in itself brings increased away attendances. So, I mean, you imagine someone like. Exactly,
0: yeah. Forrest
3: turning up, and we can we, at the cast and we say, "Oh, we'll give you fourteen hundred tickets, kind of thing." Whereas at a new ground of eighteen thousand, you could probably give them three and a half thousand, four thousand tickets if needed, um, and you'd hope for the kind of quote-unquote new stadium bounce that is always wrapped up within these kind of projects. Um, I know Chesterfield before their their kind of on pitch stuff took a nosedive were definitely crowds up. Even York, who are sat in Conference North, their crowds are up slightly. Brighton
0: um, Brighton was a massive yeah.
3: one where the actual
0: attendances of Brighton when they were lower league was nothing. And it all rallied around that new stadium and the interest and in season ticket sales. They, I think they did some really sensible marketing and then got season ticket sales right up there really early on to drive the interest. So you'd hope that would be part of you know, launching that stadium that they would really try and push to get the atmosphere in there from day one. Jumping ahead. It's exciting. I thought the same thing, though, with the 18,000 as in if you're in the championship and you can offer up a full stand, actually, but I don't want them to be behind the goal, guys. But if you can offer up three, you know, there'll be teams that could bring three to 5,000 fans regularly. I think obviously five would be a bit too much, you'd think, but you know i think you're it's a sensible size and we've seen that the architects that have maybe again it's too much but the initial drawings that was on the um letter from the the council was had that populous name on it um who have obviously been involved as architects in planning some ridiculous scale uh, projects but also the best thing about it is that a lot they're all kind of bespoke and going away from that kind of template you know, stadium that you kind of get, you know, I know kind of Doncaster's been mentioned. For me, even Rotherham, I know the, the side, the stands are a little bit different, but I still find it pretty um, basic in terms of design. And you just hope you get something that's architecturally... Um, I, I really like Rotherham. I know, I, know, I know what you I know, mean. People I know keep what you just mean. And it's I know, nice. I, know, but I'm just
2: like, I never go there and think, oh, this is amazing. It's just... It's, some, it's the height bowl. of the stands and the angle of the stands, I know I'm i not disagreeing with your point about something bespoke. And um, I've talked about it before, and it wasn't that exciting. But that one I went to in the US, which was DC United Stadium, that definitely had a bit of character to it. It was very modern in feel. There was no sort of traditional football and that aspect feel to it. And that's probably an American thing. But you got the sense of like awe and excitement when you went into it. Yeah. <clears throat> Jack, any thoughts
0: on stadium designs? Yellow or blue seats? Or both? I
1: think, is, Jack's, is I think Jack, Jack's frozen. I thought he was
0: just really pondering
2: yeah. life in the background.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's frozen. But... He's just
1: text. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, we we'll yeah. stay, stay tuned to hear what he, whether he thinks yellow or blue. Oh, I can't uh,
1: answer that
2: yeah. question. <laughs> Actually, do I think that's an interesting question.
1: It's in got to be. It's got to be blue seats with an O U F C in yellow.
2: There's a really bad trend in some football new football stadiums where they have multicoloured seats to try and it, it's to try and make it look like there's people sat there when they're empty Brentford. seats. York have done it as well. Yeah, yeah. I think um one of Don't the Italian like it. stadiums new ones has got it as well and it doesn't it's just a bit of a cheap cheap tactic. Yeah. <laughs> the
0: the other thing parking's obviously a big one. We kind of talked about transport, but you would think I would have thought with the park and ride nearby there's obviously going to be a lot in that. Um, that can be potentially, you know, well, reviewed, and then potentially expanded. But then I did always think the A34 is always weird. It's in a weird place where it kind of cuts just, it's, it's in between Parkway and the Kidlington Roundabout. And it's how you can potentially get better links onto that road. And the A34 is notoriously painful. So it'd be interesting to see. I imagine, again, all of the proposals and the, you know, kind of the consultant see with the the kind of the local area will include all of that chat as well
1: yeah i think also there's there's um, something to be said about other other routes to the stadium as well including riding your bike and that sort of thing because i think the the bike links and the cycle lanes that are involved around that area of Kidlington. i mean I, I i mean i'm a cyclist myself and i often go up and out past Kiddlington, up towards like upper hayford way and that sort of thing and the cycle lanes around around that part towards Shuffle break uh, are pretty decent. Um, so there's also some kind of uh, <coughs> other sustainable ways of getting to the stadium. Uh, not not involving a car. Maybe um, it'll
0: be those electric scooters that keep rocking up in every city every 10 maybe. minutes. imagine like 8,000 turning up. rocking but, up all together?
1: I mean, it'd be better for the environment if everyone did that, wouldn't it? <laughs> we don't, we don't want to sell gonna, the... We're going to go down that route.
2: We don't want to sell the car park out, do we?
1: No, unlike some Wickham, and then celebrate oh, by it. Very
2: good. You didn't have to say <laughs> it. You could have just left it like subtle,
0: Connor. <laughs> uh, uh, there's moment. nothing
1: subtle about Wickham, and uh, we'll talk
0: about <laughs> that later. <laughs> <Same> <laughs> um, Jack, is there anything else to? I know you've just disappeared and come back. We we didn't talk about much apart from the colour of seats, but um, is there anything else that came out from the meeting today that's worth calling out?
3: Um, only the chap who wasn't a counsellor, who just seemed determined to slate everything about OFC um, without having done much research. So um, he's, he, he said something like, the current owners have no idea um, about a project of this size. Well, obviously, we're fully aware that uh, Mr. Thoreer, when he eventually gets confirmed as a as a shareholder or whatever is is very aware of this kind of project, having carried it out for d c united and was quite influential in um into milan's look look looking at a San Sierra alternative yeah. um but i think i think john john touched on it the the meeting kind of swayed away from what the the initial scope of it was, which was basically to say. Um, do we agree to enter into negotiations to talk about what's next? whereas actually it ended yeah. up being all these little niche niche bits that come normally in a planning meeting um so the 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 meeting this afternoon kind of lost track in line with that um but I think the the one obvious thing was that there was no one adamantly against this at this stage, which is positive because I think if you have someone coming out yeah. immediately going, no, 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 never, 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 you get a hurdle at stage one, which you don't need. So if anything, having the public consultation gets more time to get more people on board. Um, and I think we've we've touched on that Oxfox obviously have a petition going, which obviously if, you, if you're listening and you haven't signed that yet, then go ahead and sign it and tell your friends and all the yeah. rest of it. You know, this is a probably once in a, quote, lifetime opportunity to get a stadium right that we didn't do with the Kassam and, you know, hence why 20 years later we're looking at something new. Because with the the public consultation,
2: it is cover almost for councillors, people in official positions, to receive information and to be written to and to take things on board. Outside of that, they get a bit more kind of precarious about retaining independence and not being seen to be influenced. So you can correct some of these myths or things that people have gotten wrong in these windows quite openly, whereas you go outside that and you start to get into more sort of formal submissions and all that sort of stuff. So there is opportunities in this period and it's probably reasonably expected. As Jack said, the club were very quick out the draw commenting on it, so they must have had an idea this was coming. And they'll have been talking about this with various people in in a reasonably official capacity for a while anyway. The, um just before we move on, I was listening to
0: the, was it, wasn't at the game um after Wickham? I think it might've been, but the, the old chair of Oxfox, I think he was called Mark. He was in Dubai when he called in. I don't know if any of you guys listened to it, but he was suggesting when he was there involved, they actually, Oxford actually made an offer for another site that wasn't Stratfield break, but he didn't, you know, go any further into it. I was just curious. Um, he didn't really specify when or where but it was interesting to see that we'd already in the last few years will have gone after
2: another site. I think we all probably expected that would have been the case but um... Well that's the other major positive is if this comes off we're not going to have to purchase the land per se which and the other thing I think the club would do really well was quick out of the gate clarified about the ownership point so I think a few of us got a bit nervous about the entities that it would be classed under and effectively were we repeating Kassam having Yeah it owned so by what a is what's people? the
0: deal with that then I was actually about to ask that because so I know it's kind of like a lease for 250 years but in terms of ownership what's the difference like it would be transferred to the club and then how does the club then is it just there as an asset is there any expectation on payback to the the owners that have funded
2: the project so the so the stadium will be Linked to the football club, the whole sort of site or be into a, an entity that will allow for the building of the other parts around it to fund the construction of the stadium. But the point was that they weren't going to be effectively two separate entities. So we would be like we are now, which is a club with no assets by the training route. Yeah. Okay. I got you.
0: Okay. um Well, as Jack kind of said, just please make sure. Um, you guys as fans all the listeners do everything you can to support and as john was just talking about there's more than just signing the petition that people can be thinking about in these times um to basically let the let the council know what good this project will will do for for oxford for the county and for people that live in yorkshire that want to come down more often so uh there you go that must cl- be your main
1: consideration. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, selfishly, I'm. I don't live yeah. up north. I d- Honestly, my main thing is just being proud. You know, you just want to be proud. You want you want to be excited about going to home games. You want to be proud when you talk to other you know other supporters of other clubs about what your home is and um have a bit of. I just love the idea of it being something more bespoke as well. That's just. That's Oxford's ground. It's, it looks like this. It's got that weird slanted roof, as you can see in the in the initial plan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right, transfer stuff. Let's get into it. cambran few cheeky bids. Um, just taking the piss a little bit. That's obviously been pushed back. Jack, we were kind of t- chatting, weren't we? And you're saying we think the release clause is somewhere around 1.25 mil or something along those lines, or at least that's what's been thrown around the forum. Do you think there's a lot in it? I saw other things in the forum saying maybe he'll stay until the summer. What do you reckon?
3: Yeah, it's a funny one because Blackpool have now signed a midfielder and recalled one from a loan, So you wonder if they've kind of thrown everything at it and they're happy to wait to the summer. Maybe they've been given signals from Branigan and his agent that they can revisit in the summer, depending on our own position. Um, I know when he signed his contract and when Blackpool were interested before, there was comments about the, the release clause is only active for the first half of each window. So if that's true, then we're beyond that period now. Um So if yeah. they wanted to buy them now, you'd assume they'd have to go even higher than a release clause because otherwise, what is the point of having the release clause? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's gone a little bit quiet on that one. Obviously, it's kind of taken off a little bit in terms of Mark Sykes and alleged Huddersfield interest. Which,
0: yeah, I heard um, Kinnebra referencing Huddersfield in um, on Radio Oxford. Connor, he's your pal. How would that? How would that make you feel? I've I've heard people saying, "Get you know the traditional Radio Oxford callers that are kind of on the let him go." Um, I think actually Stevie Kinnebra was. Similar. Just saying if you're not bought into the project, then get out. Where where are you sat?
1: Honestly, I agree with him. Cause I I I'm a big fan of Sykes. Everyone knows who listens to this podcast. I like Mark Sykes. But I think the way that Carl Robinson I mean, obviously we don't know the inside and out, we don't know the relationship exactly, but the way he has actually developed a foothold in this squad. And the way he's been managed by Carl Robinson, from an outsider's perspective, you, I think it's been done very well. And I think he owes an awful lot to this football club in a very short period of time for the way that he's actually developed as a player. Yeah, And I think if he's not going to buy into what we're trying to do at this club, where he potentially, after this season, or even after this window, has an opportunity to really kick on at this club and become, I'm not talking about club legendary status, but I'm talking about a staple player in our team he's got that opportunity. But I think if he makes the move now and goes to a club like Huddersfield, for example, he's going to end up... Well, okay, he might not, but he might well end up like Josh Ruffles and sit on the bench and don't get the game time that he would be getting at a club like Oxford. Even if it is only for a couple more years or even just an extra year. I find... I don't know. I find this whole... You know, oh think about me and my family and all this stuff. You know, he's hardly on 10 quid a week, is he?
0: You say that, but, it, you know, and, the, the classic know cliches on the it short is, career and everything it is, else. It is like...
1: all classic cliches though, isn't it? And I I just think that, you know, sometimes you'd like to see a little bit of repayment from a player put back into a, a, a manager and a club that's put a lot of faith into him. But if he's not going to buy into it and his head's turned, then so be it, see you later. <laughs> because well, there's going to be another player that will come round and we'll have the same conversation again in 2 years.
0: John what do you reckon because in my head I just think I I think Sykes doesn't necessarily act in all the right ways and he doesn't say all the right things in interviews and everything else but if we want to be competitive you know don't don't we need to be matching a club like Huddersfield's offer in terms of wages and stuff so long as it's not radically throwing things you know um into a different kind of Direction for a wage the wage structure across the club.
2: He's just kind of this sort of where Sykes has got to has almost come at the wrong time in a way because if you did as you say matched him matched up a Huddersfield type level contract and we don't get promoted, he's probably not good enough to be paid that sort of level in League One. Mm. Um, and I sometimes with Sykes come back to the point and I think I made at the last pod. Sometimes you watch some of our highlights and you see Mark Sykes doing great things, particularly scoring recently. And other times we watch games and he he still kind of make doing the same mistakes, losing. You know, I don't think when I really boil it down to it that he's a massive loss. I think it's one of those where the timing isn't quite right and he's come come to this peak, or not his peak, but a really good place. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of in my mind thinking actually. Two, three years down the line, will I be thinking much about Mark Sykes if he goes? Probably not. So I, I wouldn't mind if he goes and we get a little bit of cash for him. But it wouldn't be big money. That's the, that's the other thing. It wouldn't be a lot of money to change to change minds. So I think it's just annoying set, set of things that have come yeah. together.
1: Do you, do you not think, though, that... I think we had this conversation on the podcast a podcast quite a while back where we were saying that we're kind of getting a little bit sick of being the club that develops players for other teams. And then we just kind of let them go on very, you know, either just... back on loan or back, you know, at the end of their contract when they run down and then that's it. See you later. And then they go on to do better things at other clubs. Yeah. Okay. I understand that Oxford United, are, we're not a top end championship team and we're in a different position and we operate differently to other clubs. of where we sit in the league structure and all that. And that makes a big difference. But I do sometimes think that certain players don't really give the, kind of the heart and soul that, that that were keen for certain other individuals. I mean, you look at someone like Sam Long, who's given everything for this club, and he's one of those players that, I mean, okay, he's different to Mark Sykes in that, I'm not comparing the two, but I do sometimes wonder when, at what point do we become a club that actually keeps hold of some of these better players instead of just giving them away for little to nothing at, yeah. at a critical point in their career.
2: Well, when we own our own stadium, and
1: can
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> fundamentally, fundamentally change our, our model.
3: And, um, it's an yeah. interesting one. I was having a conversation with someone earlier today. Um, Peterborough's approach over the last five seasons is any player who gets into the final 12 months of their contract and doesn't sign a new one just automatically goes on the transfer list. So they have that opportunity to say to clubs, if you want them you can either wait 12 months and get them on a free or get them now for an amount of money. And if you think of some of the players that have gone out the door for, for straight and no fee, Nelson is one I could think, if you think he's now a playing every week for Cardiff in the championship kind of level. Um,
0: we- I think that was like what John said, Is just the timing of this one's particularly annoying um, given... Sykes has just hit his best well, like it, goal-scoring it, it, form it makes it ever. even
3: more interesting that in the summer, we only triggered his option rather than going, we're yeah. going to trigger your option and give you another year because presumably we triggered the option on the hope that he came good. But now he has come good. We face losing him for potentially nothing at the end of the season. Um, and then the one that we haven't spoken about is in a similar position, is Elliot Moore. There's no news on his contract yet, so you assume he's going to walk out the door.
2: Elliot Moore would be one that would fall into that sort of potential in the last twelve months of your contract, make up your mind type of space as well. But I think PTF Peter is a good example. As much as Project Vengeance wound me up, I've kind of come around to their thinking as to how to do some do some <laughs> things, and um, we need to. Yeah. Moore's another one we need a, a quicker decision on. I think there was some talk around actually, it's already sort of sorted, but he still hasn't, nothing's materialized
0: yet. I think um, Moore's an interesting one. Regardless of what happens with Moore, we kind of know because we didn't actually mention Fornley was kind of offered as part of one of Blackpool's bids as well. But he's another one that's in his last, you know, few months of his contract at Blackpool, albeit they've got an option on him, but you don't expect them to necessarily, you know, to really take that if they're putting him out on loan. So it seemed like a strange thing to include, perhaps. Um, Stuart Finley is a person that we've been linked with a few times before. That's kind of come back, but papers were kind of suggesting maybe he's not overly keen to head this far down south. Um, James Norwood is another one um, transfer wise that we've been linked with. I think a few people people will be in for him. His his record, Ips, which regard even though he had that poor start,
2: has still been pretty good. There he's seems now, to be he's now back in the team. Is it as he? far as and scoring and Yeah. So it's I think that one rolls off, although he would have been a good player. It was interesting to see I think Ellis Harrison join Fleetwood and some talk around yeah. John Marquis. Probably it's probably Jack stuff you've probably said, Jack, so I'm, I'm nicking it off you. But um this is shows that there are some players out there, there is movement, even though this transfer window as KL's talked about maybe a bit slow. Um,
0: Marcus Brown is is still there, and people are actually saying there's we've already potentially struck a deal on that. I don't know, Jack, if you've read anything on it.
3: The only bit I've read is the the usual reliable people on Yellow's forum have said there's a deal in place. It's just whether it's loan or permanent is the final the final box to tick. Um, I I don't know what I think about that one. I, I I can never decide whether he's a benefit to our team or not. I think John's made his views clear. Connor, where are you where are you at on the Marcus
0: Brown?
1: Um Marcus Brown a couple of years back, yes. I'm not convinced after his ACL injury, he's gonna be quite the same player. I think that's a real sad kind of state of affairs, but um again it's another one of those things, isn't it? We we like to we we seem to sign players who have got a pretty pretty bad injury record at the moment. I don't think Marcus Brown is the right man. Yeah, so that's where I stand on that. Um,
0: Jordan Shipley.
1: Jack, was that you The whacked that in?
3: Yeah, he's just a similar midfielder in the Moulders Sykes. So you wonder if that's one we've started the wheels turning in case Sykes were to go. Um, played quite a lot of games in Coventry's promotion season, but isn't really in the team this year. So you would think he'd be available if we wanted him.
2: Yeah, it's a good old rounder. Type of midfielder, I think would do miss someone a little bit more like him. Perhaps he's a bit more attacking than I realise, but he, to me, he seemed like a reasonable player to have having the mix. And then um, Nicky Cadden's been thrown around again.
0: That's it's weird actually seeing Nicky Cadden's name reminding me of his brother Chris, and I kind of just stopped thinking. There was a point where we were quite obsessed with Chris Cadden. Um, we do you know definitely. what I mean? You went to did he where did he go? Columbus, Columbus Crew. crew. There's yeah. all that banter with their fans and then, then what did he did he go back to Scotland? Yeah, he's at
3: Hibernian now. I think he's a regular in their yeah. side.
0: Where does Nicky he plays for Forest Green, Nicky, doesn't he? Is he a winger yeah. rather than a fullback? He
1: plays both, doesn't he? Okay.
0: And they're they're smashing it and they were Miles, you know, top you know, aren't they still top of the league in league two?
1: Yeah.
3: With the yeah. wooden yeah. stadium.
0: Did they ever get their wooden stadium?
3: I don't think it's uh, developed any further than a very nice looking picture which It did look nice though, didn't it? Vegan burgers to go with your wooden
0: stands nice Splinters Splinters, <laughs> splinters. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Complimentary splinters <laughs> um, Right Anything else we're missing transfer-wise? So there's no news on strikers there, so if Norwood's not really a thing where's, where's the other strikers coming from? Where's that in I
1: I'd love to know, like people like Ellis Sims, like from last year, obviously he was on loan at Blackpool, who's still not out on loan. Obviously, he's at Everton. Like players like that, like I'd love to know if we were ever involved in conversations with those types of players because I just I don't think we've got enough firepower to get over the line this year. If Matt, if Matt Taylor picks up a knock, we're absolutely screwed.
2: Well, as we'll talk about, we can't completely shift style. But we need some more physical presence yeah. in parts of the team, and we, as we'll talk about, you can't have everything in your team, every which way and style and whatever. But yeah, it, it just feels yeah. like we needed we needed him to mix it up in these last two games. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: definitely. It's a good it's um, a good segue. That is.
2: I was going to say, yeah, let's uh, let's start with Lincoln
0: away. Um, obviously, lost lost two 0 I was there uh, along with Ben. But it was quite. It, it was just such a nothing event um, from our side. We had a couple of like decent moments early first half. Um, you know, Rhino, as we now seem to call him, Mister Williams, um, had a couple of good kind of bursting runs from deep in midfield. One moment where he kind of put Taylor through, but he was off and he Taylor missed the one on one anyway. Um, but as soon as they got their goal, that Scully guy had scored against us before. Um, we were just the whole. The rest of the game just disappeared. You know when you're kind of there and everything just eeps away and you're not really feeling like you're really contributing as a side. Kane was not getting anywhere near the game before his sending off anyway, and um, it was just really out of character from the run of games that we'd had. I suppose Cheltenham wasn't great, didn't play particularly well in that, and it kind of seemed to carry into um, the Lincoln game. But I don't know what I don't know what you guys think, John. You were definitely saying more about lincoln's play and
2: it being bad timing more than anything else yeah i mean i watched the majority of it and particularly in the first half and i think we got better in the second but certainly for the first 25 i just thought lincoln were almost supreme like they were just playing combination triangle you know partnership football every pass they played was kind of hit with purpose, exactly where you want the ball if you're playing football. You know, in the old thing when you're at school and you're taught to play it in front of the man so they can run onto it. There was all that sort of stuff, very fast, very quick. And then when we, when they did lose the ball, they pressed us to high hell, which we know is a way to sort of dismantle us. We, on the other hand, were playing passes that were a little bit scruffy. Um, the fullbacks were kind of all over the place. Um Kane wasn't getting onto the ball. So we were just sort of flicking the ball around the corner. Um, And then around 25 minutes, Lincoln then decided to switch it up. And they said, right, you can have the ball in your defence, but we'll just sit in front of you. And what are you going to do? And we didn't do anything. So to me, it was like Lincoln were huge credit in terms of how they played. I think we got better in the second half. But for me, it was fair play to Lincoln in sort of a bit of a tactical masterclass really. Yeah, their fans before the game
0: were all hating Appleton, which was interesting. Um, I know, you know, obviously they got into the playoffs last year. They were in the final after knocking out. Did they knock out Sunderland before losing to Blackpool? Um, So it was interesting how quickly that had turned. And I saw Appleton's wife after they then went on to beat um, Sunderland 3-1. We didn't mention Chris McGuire's um, brilliant oh, hat-trick uh, and celebration.
1: <laughs> oh, that celebration. What an, right, we've known him to be an absolute shithouse for a long time, but that was brilliant. Oh,
0: it's it, it's just the bit about where he goes, puts his hands and up um, to be like, I'm not going to
1: celebrate.
0: this! I'm off. I'm off. Where's the manager? Where's it's, Lee Johnson?
1: Yeah, and Lee Johnson's a prick as well, so... It's just, it's just. Oh, oh okay. Brilliant. I, I quite liked Lee I Johnson's like response. <laughs> no, I don't like Lee Johnson. No no, no,
2: no, I don't. Don't have a view on Lee Johnson, <laughs> but I liked his his response, which was basically kind of like, well, some players don't don't fit in or can't get into the team at some point. So that is Good what it, it is. Yeah. And players can react how they want to that, and it wasn't. So I won't really comment. It was quite mature.
0: Yeah, it was disappointingly it was. mature. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'd love to know if Maguire got asked a similar question. Yeah. But he's
2: realised that he can't outdo Maguire. Like there's nothing he could say or he can't because he's not Chris Maguire and he can't be basically out like a twelve year old. So <laughs> like that's why he, it really worked or or tickled me because it was a very mature response never, to never forget his
0: celebration where he scored that penalty. It was yeah. against Peterborough and he... Did the little goal line dive? I was just like, that, I still look back at that. and Think what? What are you doing, pal? I mean, it's amazing. Pal.
1: It's made so many. Like, if you go on like uh, on YouTube and watch like football shit house compilations, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, he nah, is. He was such a point.
2: good player, though. Like, I don't, I get annoyed sometimes that, I mean, we're obviously having a laugh, but this becomes the focus about him. Like, one of like one of the best players I've seen in our team for quite a few years, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: yeah, yeah, de- yeah, I'd
2: agree. Um,
0: so, yeah, Lincoln was a, a bit of a write off, obviously. We, we did have the ball in the net, but it was offside early second half. I think it was a Taylor header. And then they potentially would have had a penalty. And then it went to uh, Whitaker, who just blasted it in. And it was kind of game over from there. Herbie Kane's red card, Jack, what did you reckon? <sighs>
3: I didn't think it was a red, but I, I agreed with everything that KR said in that the weren't enough to show that it wasn't a red. Um, so why waste the time appealing? Cause the ca- the camera angle, it was so poor, you, it, their player's slide kind of blocks the view of Kane's foot. So yeah, I think you just have to suck yeah, it up and take it's it. Just, it's
2: Barely yeah. yellow.
1: It's not a red card in the slightest. I'm not even no, it's, it's a yellow, definitely. Orange. The guys in Life the to be,
0: from to be fair from the stand, everyone around us was actually getting into Kane, saying "You idiot! Like what have you done?" And then when you kind of watch it back, it's just not that bad, really. And you like, watched it just... live
1: from on iFollow. I, yeah. I didn't think for a second it was a red card. Like it didn't even cross my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like you know, when it just happens, you're like, "All right, yeah." You weren't going, "Oh fucking hell!" Like that's going to be a red well, card. Hadn't
2: and then... hadn't the ref been letting. There was going. no, yeah, there exactly. was no there was yellow cards. cards. Yeah, no yellow card in the whole game.
1: Yeah, the referee had been really, really lenient and let basically everything go. And then all of a sudden, he pulls a bloody card up of his back pocket. I mean, yeah. the referee in this level of football can be so hit and miss. It's insane. Um, he
0: was um, Kane though, yeah. Chel- Cheltenham, and then obviously in the in this game wasn't like hitting the mark as we know he could. But I think all the fears were: what does that then mean? To how we kind of line up going into the the wicker match, um, so let's talk about that a bit. Connor, you were there. We have to. How was the atmosphere first? First off, it looked pretty cool. That stand uh, completely packed out.
1: Yeah, um, atmosphere wise, it was it was decent. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm talking from the Oxford fan perspective because um, I think Wickham fans are. Wow, well, I was like going to say, team, did you enjoy?
0: They? Did you enjoy the blow? I haven't. I thought about that until now. The guy from there ends that came giving it the wanker symbol. Oh, that. Oh, I
1: was going to talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, we can talk about that now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, fair play to the lad. He he he's eighteen years old, and he ran the entire not fair play. Oh, no, no no listen, listen. Fair play as in to be able to run the entire length of the pitch and basically get up to the Oxford fans before getting stopped. Like that's pretty good going. Stewards
2: um, are never peak oh, physical fitness oh, oh, well. no, is like It was it
1: was it was Steve Seddon's woeful attempt to stop him which made me laugh. because... It was you only when...
2: line him. It's not W yeah, but, but
1: he, he can really, rub, he could probably tackle the bloke. He has, that's, what he, that's what he tried to do, and he I'd, I'd rather our only left the back doesn't try uh... and rugby
3: tackle a fan coming on the pitch because you can.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, quite, I mean, it's it's nearly as bad as what their fan did to Gavin White. I don't know if any of you saw that was that, that was that. that was appalling, like absolutely wow. horrendous. I didn't see it. Gavin White jumped over the advertising board to go get the ball back from a fan, and a fan has pushed him. Just full on shoved Gavin White from behind. Two hands on the back. Two hands pushed on the back him and shoved him out of the way. Yeah. He could
2: have he could have like he sort of it. jumped he jumped sort of jumped back over the the, um, the the advertising board. Yeah. Easily could have just gone flat and seriously yeah. hurt himself.
1: Yeah, it was ridiculous. But but no, the the that that certainly riled I think when they were two 0 up at that point anyway, that certainly riled a few Oxford fans. But I just my thing with Wickham, right? I've done I've done Wickham away quite a few times, is their fans build it up to be this massive rivalry. It's Whereas not like they have fireworks, Whereas, Connor and
0: stuff. Oh, yes. don't
1: fucking start. <laughs> honestly, I'm sorry for swearing, but uh, can we talk about that as well? Just
0: <laughs> no, just it's uh, fine. It's all flowing.
1: How pot is that? I don't know if people knew this, but at the at the final whistle, um, the first thing that happened actually at the final whistle was they blared our House by Madness, through the tannoy. And I've never heard a song be played so loudly at football stadium in my entire life. Everyone was like wincing at how loud it was. And then you look to the right of us on the hill that's next to the um, stadium and they've got bloody fireworks going off. And you're like, you've just beaten a team 2-0 in a league game and you've put fireworks on. But that is utter tin pot what a joke that is I, I couldn't believe it like i think a lot of the fans around us we were all like what the what the hell is that i've never seen that before at a football match going I just um couldn't believe it
0: going back to the game
1: that's <laughs> no, <I set> it <laughs> like, done we don't need to I, talk about the game
0: <laughs> i um i actually don't think i've been i think at one point watching it i threw something on the floor and walked i think it was when the second goal went in yeah. I, I just stormed off in a feat of rage um but like i guess like john from your perspective watching it they they were just incredibly organized but the frustration from a lot of oxford fans post match was they didn't didn't seem like they had to truly Wickham us like it, no. they did at the Kassam. they actually it's kind of a more Balanced game, but actually, they just after 20 or so minutes, they especially I think it was between 20 minutes and like 60, 70 minutes, they just absolutely dominated proceedings, and we just weren't getting anywhere.
2: Yeah, there was no horrible fouls, long balls up to target man, feigning injuries, or all, all that sort of the ball was in play, probably a reasonable amount. Um, was they time to...
1: wasting though, That that was still definitely there
2: yeah but uh, i mean it, it just it was not what i think we were all prepared to sort of moan about and that they just played in a way played to their strengths and in the first 20 minutes we got down the sides of them which was the place to go but we yep. couldn't make couldn't make it count um holland didn't cover himself oh. in glory um Captain Dwindle was, I think, the name you coined, James. Which
0: I was... get, I get upset with Holland because you know what potential he's got, and he's a little bit lightweight, but he is so dwindly and non-committal Captain sometimes. Dwindle, I does just it was a <laughs> here at the moment thing, Connor. But the, the thing with Holland is like, and Jerome in the commentary was kind of referring to him as one of the you know better performers. And I think it's because we played so much down the left during the game. Branigan was playing on the left side of midfield. And generally, we were busier down the left in an attacking sense. But you just, I I find him so frustrating. He cut in at one time, had a decent effort. There was another couple of times where he just kind of dwindled around. And the thing that was getting us, and Jack, I remember us talking about it, is they were playing a back three and Stewart was on the right. And Stewart's a great defender. We all know that. Obviously, he's caused us problems in high-profile games before. But... Holland, you just think it's one of them where you can kind of kick the ball past him and sprint after it and outpace a massive centre back that he's surely got, you know, he's got yards on.
1: I thought Holland, to be fair to him, was like the most likely player to score on the pitch for us because I think um, I can't put, I can't remember the name of the centre back. plays Wickham. What's the
0: the big guy in the middle. Big lad
1: with, yeah. with the Yeah, that's it, him. He had Matty Taylor in his back pocket all day. And Matty Taylor was so exposed.
0: We're playing uh, direct balls to it. Like, exactly. I was but doing that's my it. absolute it's, head in. We're just, just punting is we have, the ball in. Exactly. Like, we,
1: had, we had literally no alternate uh, way of, of attacking in this game. And it was so frustrating to sit and watch it. It was like, like you said earlier about, First 15 minutes, we looked like a really good side, and we had a little spell in the second half as well. But when that second, when the second, you know, by the time the second goal had gone in, it was basically game over. I mean, Wickham was such a strong defensive side. You just, I just felt like we were we were so shy of ideas, and it was again another really frustrating game, just like the Lincoln game before.
2: They they were just forcing us to play our passes so quickly that the our midfield and. Kane would have been helpful, but could not sort of get a moment to even sort of plan what they were going to do. And as a result, we were just kind of almost playing blind passes. Um, And as you say, James, knocking the ball up to Taylor, who was, that was never the tactic. But we didn't have an alternate to this. And these are two games, Lincoln and Wickham, where the opposition manager's gone, this is how we shut this team down. Yeah. And implemented it within the strengths they've got within their team. And we haven't tried to do anything different. If we scored one of the early chances, the Holland one, for example, it was cleared off the line, then the game might have opened up and we could have passed around and Wickham would have had to come out and that would have worked, but it didn't. And we didn't have an alternative to do that. And yes, all right, personnel were a bit depleted. I mean, McGuane did what he could in holding midfield, but he was... You know, it just wasn't his position. That that was not yeah. working
0: out at all either. No. And I, it was a lack of talking between the back line and the midfield that was, there was a lot of space just opening up and every time we were getting caught on the counter. Jack, I remember saying John's just touched on, I remember you mentioning, Kane, whilst we were watching it, Kane, his absence, there, there isn't anyone else there that's pointing at their feet to the back line to say, just give me the ball, I'll deal with yeah, this. Yeah,
3: even when Kane's having a poorer game, he... Still shows for the ball. He he wants to take the ball off the back four, off Moore or Thornley or whoever, and look for a pass. Whereas the three midfield, McQueen, albeit he was the holding midfielder, he wasn't holding as Kane or Gorin does. Obviously, Branigan was playing more to one side, and we've touched on that. It was kind of him and Holland linking up down the left. So there was this kind of. Um, gap almost where Kane would normally be wanting to take the, the ball off the back four and a lot of the time that's why we saw Thornley or Moore just putting their boot through it because there was no other option it was let's push it forward and yeah, we, we yeah. all touched on the Taylor versus Tafferzoli contest which there was a line in um, Paul Beasley's Rage Online report where he said um, that might as well have been Tyson Fury versus Mother Teresa because, you know, Taylor's game is not battling with a six-foot-three centre-half for balls in the air. And we we have this thing, and we all know how Wickham are going to play. We know it's going to be a battle and all this kind of thing, but we always seem to get sucked into playing to their strengths. Um, and it's two two or three games now against Wickham where it's been a very similar story.
0: That's why I don't yeah. understand though. It's like it was it we tried for ten minutes before half time to just hit Taylor through di- with direct passing. And yes, there was more playing through the lines first half. But then I don't understand why we kept doing it and kept doing it. It just kept on happening, kept on punning it to Taylor, he kept on losing the ball, kept on and it's nothing on Matty. Like it's not his game. And I just didn't understand why we weren't mixing it up. And we brought Henry and White on, and you start to think, okay, maybe Again, we're going to get the ball down, try and play it into feet, or play it behind and run after it. That'd have been better than trying to
2: we, give. We did look better it's... when we they did came look better, on. yeah. But, I mean, Ainsworth made a big point after the game about saying we played three, two, four, one. Mass is right to try and flood them and frustrate them. Well, that tells you where the space is. Why didn't we go and that's how we counter it? It's not balls up to Matt Taylor, or it's Matt Taylor pulls wide. It's kind of. Stuff like this. But then when Henry came on, I remember he he got the ball and played this really good pass into Winnow. Straight away to Winnow. Straight yeah. away straight to his feet. Cut three Wick Wickham players out of the game. And it was that sort of composure that was completely lacking. Um yeah. So yeah, it, it's a repeating the sort of similar points, but but ultimately this wasn't a typical Wiccan performance. This was, you know, dare I say it, a deserved win.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, from I think a lot of Oxford fans would agree with you who were actually at the game and people probably watched it at home as well. I think it was a definitely deserved win. I think Wickham were actually by far the better team in almost 90% of the game. I mean, I'd love to know if KR would agree with what I just said, but I, I think they were they were pretty dominant in most areas. They nullified basically everything we had. They defended extremely well and when they had their chances, they took them and it's just another i mean i've written down in the notes that i think these are the type of games and these are the performances where you just think we're not going to get out of this league because it's just those those teams that have just got that that little bit it's like extra now, than now, us.
0: now isn't it i think, just think that's a what little
1: people... bit extra than us and i don't think it's even Managerial tactical decisions. I sometimes think it actually is down to personnel. I do think they have generally got better players. We, we we lack so much physicality, and sometimes without key individuals like Kane and a fit James Henry, for example, I feel like our array of you know array of passing, our way of playing is kind of one dimensional at times, and I feel like we struggle big time against clubs like Wickham.
0: Yeah, I I think it it has been said by others, but just that Nause not, you know, perhaps the kind of the more youthful nature of our squad gets exposed every now and then when these types of organized teams come up. And it takes, like, you need to, I think earlier in the season, though, our comeback potential was there for all to see. And the character, LeBranigan, obviously, remember MK Dons, like, just picking up the game from nowhere and just saying, I'm not, I'm not having this. Like, we, and we didn't play well at MK Dons for large chunks of that game. Um, and then they burn out, and but Brannigan lifted the whole thing. I think Wickham were just that extra level above to keep that going for the whole game, and we just couldn't um, couldn't really respond to it. But fair enough. Um, yeah.
1: And also, it's the, the, um, very lastly, um, I, I don't know if any of you guys saw the Gareth McCleary tweet.
0: Oh, I was, uh, <laughs> the guy can't Dude. spell. I know he's from Oxford, <laughs> but
1: oh, he definitely can't. Yeah, he um. I'm sure plenty of Oxford fans picked up on this on Saturday, but um,
0: can you paraphrase it? Can you do that? Oh well, no, it. not the,
1: not the tweet, but the <laughs> when they scored their first goal, when we were get gi- well, a lot. Of, I say we, a lot of the Oxford fans were not me. I have to say, were giving him a little shit. As you came over to take the corner, you just knew that they were going to score, and they scored from the corner. And then McCleary turns around and gives it the absolute big end to all of us lot. Really? So, um, Did yeah, he oh, say yeah. something he, like he was, his? He was stood there in front of the Oxford fans, like doing the fist pumps, like, right, looking, looking directly oh. at us. While while the, while the wickham fans were like wheeling off behind him, celebrate. Uh, if um, he, players wheeling off behind him, celebrate. If our
0: fans him. were giving him the stick first, then I don't. That's absolutely fair enough. Oh uh, yeah, I honest. think
1: it is fair enough. Yeah, I I, I said to. My mate, he was next to me. I was like, I knew that was coming. You could just see it happening. <laughs> you could just see it happening in front of you. You like, we clearly just going to give us a big one. Which he's um, him.
0: he's what, thirty four? We've nearly signed him for in a few windows. He mentioned in his tweet. He's an Oxford boy, but he made the right decision. It's like I'm not sure you had a decision if you didn't. Come, well, that, uh,
3: his his tweets put out a massive fishing rod and every Oxford fan absolutely gobbled it up on Saturday. He, yep. knew, yeah. he knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing and he got exactly what he wanted and no, no one could oh. help themselves.
1: Oh,
0: amazing. Yeah. Connie, you just touched on the fact we conceded from another corner. Like we again, I'm tempted to get the old Tipmaner spreadsheet out well, because it, corners. Are both we're not scoring from corners, and we're conceding. I know that was said, it, it was still direct. a good goal.
1: It wasn't direct from a corner. This no, one, no, but you know, at the <laughs> no, same time, result. We, off, we just still
0: don't. We still don't deal with the whole occasion to yeah. call to call yeah, it that. I, but we know th- that
1: we know that we're woeful from set plays in both attacking and defending them, and I do I do generally think he is linked to some to. To the size of some of the players that we have in our team, we're such a small team.
0: Where's Where's John Messina's book of tricks that came out briefly last year? We need that back. Um, the only other thing, John, I was going to mention is like we are missing c- critical chances at key times. That in retrospect, in hindsight, like the Matty Taylor penalty at Cheltenham that would have potentially opened up the game, made it far more comfortable. That Nathan Holland. Chance that could have made it one nil and changed the game. You know, it, it. There's no point in dwelling, and this is becoming quite a negative pod, but we haven't had one for a while, so it's fine. But they're big moments, aren't they? We've got to, we've got to be making sure we're taking advantage of them.
2: Yeah, and then there's probably a long list of big critical chances all through the season. I mean, we're obviously still sixth, and uh, sorry, seventh, seventh even, seventh even, and that's still very positive, but. There's a clinical aspect to it, and that's, I guess, comes down to quality of player. Ultimately, there's not too much KR can do about some of these chances and finishing them. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer to it is really. But the point is, but I suppose we're creating them, but it's costing us. I mean, that Wickham game I think would be different if the Holland one goes in. I know we might not necessarily won it, but it would have. There would have been, Wickham would have had to have played differently.
0: Yeah, I agree.
2: Um.
0: Onwards and upwards, just looking at League One. So Wickham obviously went top with that win. Um, Although Rotherham, uh, two points behind, have got two games in hand. Wickham have got, Wigan, sorry, have got five five games in hand Mm. on um, the top two. God, Um, so they could really be piling up the league. They're on a good unbeaten run as well. Um, I guess we've won one in five now in the league, which obviously isn't isn't ideal given the form we're on. But everyone has a blip. Anything else showing up for anyone? Any form? Any results of no? Obviously that Lincoln result against Sunderland made me feel a little bit better about our result there.
3: The the games in hand are just making it all a little bit cloudy at the minute, aren't they? Because we're only. What are we three ahead of Wednesday? We've got a game in hand, but then we're on the same point as Plymouth. But we've played a game more so that it, until it all evens out a little bit, it's a bit hard to tell what the real kind of situation is. But it's definitely less positive than it was about a month ago in terms of position and looking upwards rather than around you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How are the games going there on tonight? Uh,
3: Wigan, were one down, they now two one up at Morecambe. Portsmouth are nil 0 currently. Sorry. Cambridge are beating Doncaster, which isn't a surprise. No, I think Donny had done. Um, okay.
0: Any any noticeable transfers across the league? someone's added an exciting section? In Kane Hemmings was one I noticed. If that's yeah, you know. it's Tramore
1: didn't he? Yeah. So he actually took a step down.
3: There's lots of people signing strikers. So Lincoln have signed Marquis from Portsmouth. Port Pompe- Pompey have replaced him with Tyler Walker on loan.
0: Um. Yeah, we're talking about him in the last. Yeah, all
3: these are all confirmed. We're going to sign Josh McGinnis from Hull, who scored what twenty goals in the Hull's promotion last year. Charlton have re-signed Chucks and Ek back from Birmingham, so there's quite a few noticeable signings going on. And Sunderland have just signed Danny Bat, the centre back from Stoke. So there's a bit of money being splashed about as well. I think that Tyler Walker one hurts me. I've always just had. Weird, maybe dreams
0: that Tyler Walker played for us and he, he didn't. It's sad, but fair play to them. Um, anyway, we mentioned Wednesday there, got a game in hand, three points behind. Who's doing the preview?
3: I can, I can preview. Who wrote the things for the preview? <laughs> I wrote the stuff, all the stuff, yeah. Oh, okay, well, that, that means you're there, uh, yeah. Right, so, Jim. obviously. After our wonderful win at Hillsborough, they visit the Kassam for the first ever time. Um, There's a bit of a push for a big crowd. Um, and the Yellows Forum dot counters who sit and count dots on the stadium maps are predicting a crowd of at least 8,500 so far based on ticket sales today. Um, and I think... I remember going to the last time, I think we played them
0: at home in the Manor. Um, when they had, it was like Carboni and... Uh, it
2: was- like
0: I said There's a guy, a long guy, time player ago. called Truffle or Trustman or <laughs> something. Like, probably not Truffle. <laughs> I need to go back and look. I remember, um, was that a league game as well? Did we play them in the league? They had Andy Booth and people. Looking, uh, I'm going Andy back
3: to The Booth. La- Kevin Preston The last, um, the last we got, time we played them at the Manor was in the Cup in 1996. 1-0 one one. to us. The ah. um, last time we played them be? in the league at home was December 1990.
0: Oh, well, that can't have been it. That's interesting. I thought um, David Hurst scored against us in the league game. Maybe I'm getting confused with games. I'm going to do some research. This is great for the listeners. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, lo- it's a long <laughs> time since the they
3: visited Oxford. Um, there's a push for a big crowd. Um, and there's a, I think there's a new... Or A new bunch of lads trying to get some of the flags back at the back of the Jim Smith stand. So hopefully that'll bring a bit of atmosphere back because it's been commented on recently that it's a little bit flat or more flat than usual. Um, Bit of an admin one, because it's expected to be a crowd of 10,000-ish, everyone needs to show a COVID pass. Um, And the club have made a point that the little stamp that you get after your vaccine doesn't count as a COVID pass. So if you go in, make sure you meet all the boxes so you get in. Um, obviously, I mean, team news-wise, we're still missing Herbie Kane, which is sad because he played really well at Hillsborough, I thought. And I know John was drooling about Kane after Hillsborough. Um, I only drool over... Oh, I do apologise. There was other things going on around Herbie Kane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed we we played a friendly today against Cheltenham and one four one, 4 one and Bowden scored a couple. So maybe he... Might come into contention as I think there might need to be a few changes. I um, don't know what anyone else thinks in terms of our lineup. What would you tweak, John?
2: Uh, I think Henry's if Henry's back, I'd get him straight back in. Uh, I think Bowden. I thought he played well. I mean, I'm not sure whether he did end up at holding midfield against Wigan. There seemed to be an information that was ex- actually McQueen, but I think Bowden looked very good in midfield. So. I think we need to decide what he is and if he's got a role to play. So there's an opportunity there. Um, So I think it's, um, but equally, I think, oh, we are at home, I was going to say possibly bring Ford into the midfield. Um, I think the front three can stay as, probably stay as it is. I'd bring White in over Holland. Um, But I think there's, there's, I think Bowden's got to get some minutes in this for sure.
3: I think it is probably a game for wingers because they're missing... Marvin Johnson's basically been playing as a left-sided centre-back for them in a three. So, if we're not going to get down the sides this weekend, I don't think we're ever going to get down the sides. Um, So, I'd I'd like to see White start. I think he's looked bright coming off the bench and it's not often that Holland starts two or three games in a row. So, he might be due a break.
0: I do think I'm a bit obviously harsh on Holland, and most of the good stuff that we did do came from him, but also some of the worst bits of our attack. But he was still involved. I think I'd like to see White definitely start. Uh, Is this the last of Kane's?
3: No, No, he's got two two more. (laughs) Yeah,
0: second. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure, but I don't think I think the midfield will still be pretty. Similar. The only thing I can think is, is McQueen. I'd rather McQueen be in one of the more advanced roles and Brannigan sitting. To be honest, if I was doing something with it, because he's got that experience last year, and actually, there were games where he was operating like that deep line playmaker, playmaker that quarterback role last year, and it did it did work on
2: occasion. But I mean, know. you. It'd be interesting to see if we could look at Brannigan in a two. In front of the defense, I know it's quite defensive for a home game, but in my given options, are that Brannigan to do more of the holding things. I agree with you that McGuane's that thing doesn't for me doesn't work. It's too it's too open, and I'm not knocking him. It's just not his position.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Sure. I was looking at Chef Wednesday as well. They're quite a different side to the one we played. Partly because they've got so many players out injured, and partly because they've had a lot of players come back from injury. So. People like Josh Windass, Massimo Luongo, who were nowhere near the lineup up um, in October or whenever we visited Hillsborough are now back in the side and playing regularly. And then they signed... Do you remember Nathaniel Mendez lang the winger? They picked him up on yeah, a free transfer. So yeah. they're quite a different side, but I think their form's still all over the shop, really, which we'll touch on now. Yeah. Like They lost 5-0 at Sunderland and 1-0 at Shrewsbury, but then beat Plymouth 4-2. So... I don't even know how you begin to know what to expect from them. I'm surprised I'm surprised based on those results where they've won,
0: you know, two in the last six is that and they've lost 5-0 and 1-0 that they've crept back up and caught us back <laughs> caught us up which obviously speaks volumes about our own form in the last few games but um I thought we had a bit of distance between us and them which I'm guessing we did at one point but yeah, very difficult to predict, I guess, what we're gonna see on Saturday. What a segue that was.
2: I, I think it's a good I think they're a good team to play to get back on track. They're they're a team that's gonna try and play football, but they're not particularly confident. So we'll be able to get our passing game going again a bit. They're not I don't think they'll come with a particularly sort of Uber press, shut us down, kind of force us to play long. I think we'll be able to play our game enough. So I, I, think it's a good. They're obviously a good team, and they've, some of the players you've mentioned, Jack, are, are high quality. But I'm reasonably confident about this. Well,
3: we we generally tend to play better against sides who want to play as well, don't we? It's, it is a common yeah. theme with us. Um, personally, I, I I, think we'll win. Um, I think I think we. If we don't show we've got performance in us after the last couple of weeks, then this becomes. Not a mini blip; it becomes heading towards major blip. Um, Connor, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I'm along the same lines as you. I think, I think this is a game that is it's it's winnable. But I think if we do, if we do end up not taking anything from the game, then I think you're right. I think we, it's it's not it's not just a blip in form. I think it's a it's a proper dip.
0: dip in form. Scores. Where are the scores?
1: All right, I'm gonna go with a. Well, I'm actually
0: going to go with the same result as we had a Hillsborough 2-1 win. 93rd minute winner. Farry Bannon crossbar. 95th minute. Is is Bannon still playing and fit? I hope not. He is. Okay, that's a shame. He looked decent when we played up there. Anyway, sorry. John, say scores.
2: I'm going to go 2-0 clean sheet. What is one of them?
0: I can't say. we? By the way, we didn't mention in the, the Wickham's second goal the co- complete calamity <laughs> of th- our three only defenders deciding to run all collectively towards the ball, pretty much doing a nice little jig collectively towards it, and then left. Was it um, what's the guy's Hanlon. name that scored? Hanlon. Ha- Hanlon. But then also the guy on the left wing. We had. He could have gone either way. Um, it was like it was a load fast. of lemmings walking off the cliff. It was on it. I was absolutely. That's the first time I've done. I've literally just stood up and just walked out in complete rage. But I'm glad you predicted the clean sheet anyway, John. I just wanted to mention that. Jack, what are you saying? Uh, I think I'm going to
3: go 3 1. I think we'll get a third goal on the counter as they throw everything at us.
0: Yeah, fuck it. Why not? 3 1. Let's do it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Let's have it. Um, Oh, by the way, it was a guy called it was the League Cup game in uh twenty-fourth September, my birthday, nineteen ninety six. Um Nigel Jemson won us the game in the eighty-fifth minute. We had some proper players. The guy I was thinking of when I said Truffle was called Orlando Trustful. Um they had, they had Reggie <laughs> Blinker in the team. <laughs> he he was quite good. They had Guy Whittingham and Andy Booth up front. What a classic, classic front line. Our team is is beautiful for anyone that likes the 90s Oxford vibes. You've got Whitehead, Matt Elliott, Mike Ford, Les Robinson, Gilchrist, oh, Joey Beecham, Bobby Ford, Martin Gray, Bobby Smudger, Nigel Jemson, and Paul Moody, and classic Matt Murphy, who I used to have many a chat with when he was sat on that bench, was which was literally just like horrible foam bench with the foam coming out of it. And we used to sit there going, Hi, Matt, how are you? What's going on? You're not playing again. He'd be like, yeah, not playing again. I bet he loved that. <laughs> Martin Aldridge came on, and Darren Purse was on the bench as well. Martin Aldridge was a player. That was really sad. What happened to him? What a guy he was? Um. Anyway, fixtures beyond that. Gillingham. Afterwards, we're not going to. Steve Evans is gone. Jack, how does that make you feel? Um. Might not.
3: I don't know. I'm just waiting for him to turn up at some other shit house outfit and ruin everyone's lives. <laughs>
0: Let's finish there. That's beautiful. It's like a poem to end on. Right. Uh, that was that was longer than normal. Um, be back probably in a couple of games time. Um, again, just to emphasize, please get behind the whole stadium project. Um, and also, again, we've, we've touched on it, but get behind the club at Sheffield Wednesday, if you can. Amazing that we've got the Fanatics group back trying to bring a bit of life back to home games as well with displays and stuff. That's excellent. I think they're looking for contributions as well so keep an eye out for that and thanks very much we'll catch you later